everyone. Welcome to World of Anime. I'm Stephanie, your host, and with me, I have Ben. Hey, everyone. And we have a special guest with us today on our hype episode. We have Nathan. I might be Roz this episode. I'm not positive. Hi. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Are you Roz? I might be Roz. Well, on this episode, it is our weekly hype episode. We're going to talk about our favorite shows. So hyped. Get hyped. My Hero Academia. Shokugeki no Soma. Persona 5. And Steins Gate Zero. So we missed last week. So we're going to just talk about what's up until now. Because you love us and you miss us. And we're going to talk about it. It's going to be great. So we're going to start off because we have the amazing Nathan, and he actually watches this show, My Hero Academia! Yay! Yay! Things happened. Kind of. So so I watched the last seven episodes all in a row because my friends got mad at me that I hadn't watched them yet. And then I got mad at me for not having had watched them yet. (laughs) It's a good show. What happened in this episode? Well, to recap what happened. So they finally finished the battle, um, and Bakugo got stolen away, and it was very sad. And Midoriya was not happy about the fact that he couldn't save Bakugo. Because he's his friend, and he couldn't save someone who was right in front of him. And Bakugo's so helpless. Bakugo is so helpless. Bakugo is really just a helpless kitty, and I think he knows it. He's a classic damsel in distress. Yeah. And he was like, Deku, don't come find me. And of course... Midoriya is going to listen to him. No. Nope. And let the police take care no, of him. No, he won't. He won't do He's that. He's going to listen to him and let Bakugo rescue himself nope. like a good friend. No, nope. Midoriya He's going to take things into his own hands and he's going to go attempt to save Bakugo, isn't By he? By dressing as a weird adult. <laughs> <laughs> this was their Spider-Man 3 Tobey Maguire strut scene episode. So what happened was the episode after he got taken away, they talk about Deku was in the hospital. He like literally destroyed his body. And he can't do anything with his arms. If he breaks them like two or three more times, he's like never going to be able to use them again. I like that shonen qualifier of don't do it too many more times. It'll happen again, but we'll not make it that often. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. you're going to have to do this one or two more times. But after that, we're serious about this. Well, I think at some point it becomes like, look... We know we can't tell you to not do it again because you won't fucking listen to us. But we can tell you if you do do it again a certain number of times, you will no longer be able to use your arms. I felt like that was actually pretty consistent with Midoriya's character. Like, them telling him it's going to cause damage to you down the line. Like, it's going to become harder for you to move your arms. Midoriya would be like, yeah, I'm okay with that. I can save people. I should do it while I can. Them being like... You do this two or three more times, you are going to lose the use of your arms. That's actually going to make it possible for Midoriya to be like, Oh, maybe I should learn how to not destroy myself whenever I defeat an enemy. He's learning from All Might's mistakes, in a sense. Because All Might is the perfect example of someone who, you know, really killed it as a hero, but did so much that now he's no longer able to do it. I'm not looking forward to All Might dying, but I'm really looking forward to how they play out the power vacuum of when All Might's illness finally comes to light. And 
You know how people say that when, like, you can't kill a mob by just killing the leader of the mob? It's because it'll create a power-up vacuum that'll get filled by somebody, but there is that moment of unrest when anything could happen. The same thing's gonna happen with the heroes, that when All Might goes down... Endeavor. Endeavor. Endeavor! Endeavor! Um, <laughs> Endeavor is gonna try for that top spot. He's not gonna be able to do it. Midoriya is probably going to get it because he's been narrating this whole thing as if he's already become the top hero. Yeah, the problem with the power vacuum thing is you need someone just as strong and just as good to be that person. Otherwise, it's not just filling the power vacuum with the same thing. It's like the the villains have a bunch of villainous people and they're all bad. So if you kill one, like they're still all going to be bad. The thing with the the thing with the heroes is like. The reason why the world has had so much peace is because All Might is All Might, not because heroes have always been a thing. It's because All Might has been specifically able to, like, keep it quiet. I already think he's losing that battle, considering the villains have this crazy league already. So it's like, the, the vacuum of, like, someone to keep everyone down is already, you know, it's already going away. And I actually think that they're executing that very well, because earlier in the series... They did a good job of making the good guys feel like these untouchable paragons. But we've transitioned into this world that believably has a fair number of villains because, you know, they've done it gradually over time building this whole all-for-one arc. And that's been a really cool thing to see because, you know, they kind of wrote themselves into a corner by having this big symbol of peace and by having the little cracks forming makes a cool picture. Yeah, and it's really exciting because as Midoriya is able to see those cracks, he's able to figure out how to keep that from happening again. Because it doesn't help to just have one strong thing to protect the whole world. Because as soon as that thing goes away, well, everything's going to shit. So it's actually really good that Midoriya is able to see it. And the only thing that concerns me with that is his narration is, this is how I became the world's greatest hero. I'm like... So you didn't learn from his mistakes? Or, like, maybe you being the greatest hero is you having a network? I don't know. Basically, he just has to link the flame for the next cycle. Yeah, they did the metaphor about, like, as my flame grows weaker, his will grow stronger. Is that actually saying that Midoriya is going to become more powerful? Or is that meant to be a metaphor? Because the power that he currently has breaks him. Yeah. Body can't... I don't know. It's so weird that his body, like... Because even the doctors are like, your bones and your muscles are figuring it out, but your ligaments aren't. It was like his bones looked like they'd shattered from the inside. Like a firecracker. Was that how they described it? Yeah. Which is very apt to the way that they portray his power as manifesting with like the lines of power going through his arms and through his body. Right. Like, yeah. His bones actually exploded from the inside. This wasn't just like he broke them on an impact. It was right. they shattered themselves. With the power. But it was crazy because the doctors were like, your bones and your muscles are recovering. but Your you're, ligaments. You're destroying your ligaments, which is not a thing you can train or take a supplement for to make them stronger. No, you damage your ligaments, you're you fucked. need surgery to replace them? Yeah, I don't even know. It, you're just, it's not good. So Midoriya's, and it makes me so mad that he hears this from the doctor, and the next thing they're going to do is like, yeah, we're going to go, like, try to have a covert mission where we're going to, like, extract Bakugo. And I'm like, Midoriya, you're going to die. Stop it. I know you're not going to die because you're the narrator of this story, but, like, 
Midoriya, stop. People, stop. Like, they, there's students, and, like, I'm glad that Ida and Yaozoru are, like, there to try to be, like, no, we're gonna make you go home if things start to go down. Like, they're trying to be their watchdogs, but it's a little bit, like, just lock them up in a little cage so they can't get out. <laughs> they're also not going to the right place. Yeah, they're, we had that from the from the preview for the from, next episode. Yeah, from the post credits, they're going to the no mood uh, factory. They're not going to the place where they have uh, Bakugo. Yeah, they're gonna die. Yeah, the no mood factory is not a great place for them to go. No, no, no. Especially because no. I'm pretty sure that's where All for One is. Quite possibly. Ooh, that is the name of the next episode, isn't it? All for One, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. I didn't. Is look. it? That's not has, a good sign. Yeah, it's about time for his introduction. Because they did, they are like leading it up like there's going to be a big incident. Like that's what... Shigaraki. 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 Oh boy. But going back to that, yeah, Bakugo is not a damsel in distress. And he's smart. He stayed quiet until they were like, we're going to release him because like we think that maybe he's been listening. And he's like, fuck no. I just stayed quiet. He let me out. Like, I want him to break free because that would then break, like, I don't even know. Like, I just don't want it. I just don't want it to be Naruto again. I want this to be its own thing. Bakugo doesn't strike me as a hero who can be turned to a villain. As arrogant and abrasive and mean as he is, his deal is to be, like, the strongest hero. He needs the acclaim of people. He doesn't need the, I don't know, the fear of people. He gets it, but it's not what he's going for. Right. I actually don't know if I'd agree with that. It seems more like he admires winning. He wants ah. to win like All Might. So if the villains start winning, he could be convinced to join them? I could see that. If he sees All Might, like what worries me is if All Might loses. Or if he even sees All Might's weakness. Yes. Then he will see that All Might is not only a winner, and therefore maybe will consider the bad boys. You hope that he is strong. I hope he's got stronger convictions than that, but like, I'm not super optimistic, but like, I wish Deku would not beat himself up over this, because like... And I wish he would listen to Bakugo, because Bakugo's been shown as being competent, and like, not only an idiot, like he is reckless sometimes, but he's not an idiot. He's an arrogant, he's an arrogant asshole, but he's a competent, arrogant asshole. Yes, yes. And the fact that Deku is like, I need to go save him, it's just like, no. But I'm really excited because next week's episode is going to be crazy. It's going to be nuts. You excited? Very. I'm excited. So there was a manga or something for this before there was a manga there was a manga before yeah. the anime i made the mistake of looking online to find the character's name found their wiki didn't realize there'd been a manga and now i know what their powers are no 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 where we didn't know their powers yet so no, i'm not going to uh creepy girl who likes yeah, boys who get beat up whose name i still can't remember you got uh, it I saw a really solid cosplay of her and i was like damn it i need to remember what that character's name was and then i found a spoiler Oh no. It no wasn't. Yeah, I'm just not going to say anymore. Nope, no more. Uh, cool. I think we'll just have to wait till next week and see what happens. They should have called it No Moose Land. Ah! No Man's Land? No Moose uh, Land? Yeah. Thank you. you for joining us on this segment. My now. pleasure. I've sounded like this the entire time. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. 
So next on our list, and so that you know, uh, Nathan is not with us anymore. He's dead. No, he's not. He's not dead. He just hasn't watched the rest of these shows. So he's dead. No, he's not dead. Uh, we're going to next talk about Persona 5. The animation. The animation. Um, it's starting to not suck. Yeah, I'm hoping that's not specific to this arc. Uh, maybe it's just because the gang works better as an ensemble instead of Anne, Ryuji, and cardboard cutout protagonist. And, and Morgana's fun too. I'm really looking forward to getting more people in the group. I think Makoto will be a lot of fun. Uh, I think Futaba is probably the most fun. Again, these don't these names won't mean anything to you unless you play the game. Uh, I am excited for next week's episode where we get to, it's just called Operation Maid Watch, which anyone who played the game will know why that's going to be fun. Yeah, I actually don't remember that arc at all. Like, I don't think I, I think I, when I was watching you playing it, I watched like the, a little bit with the volleyball coach and then Matarame, but then like I stopped and came back when you were like almost done with the game. At this time, we're at the point where... I don't know exactly what's going to happen. Like, I have no idea how the, how the rest of the gang got together. So I'm a little excited to not be bored by that, I guess. But protagonist Kuhn is still cardboard cutout. Protagonist Kuhn. He talked a couple of times in this episode. I was very proud. He goes, hmm, most of the time. And it's stupid. But, um, yeah, he's still card. I wish that they could do something with him. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> But it was better. There was actual combat. Yeah, the fight against Madarame was actually pretty cool in just like a standard fight sense. It didn't feel like, you know, two groups lining up and taking turns with special moves. And they didn't do the crappy, uh, where they basically like took it from the game. Yeah, the cutaway. The cutaway, that's what it's called. They didn't just do the stupid cutaway and be like, we beat him. They actually, and, they, and that didn't happen at all. Yeah. I was so thrilled. How upsetting is that, that I'm so thrilled and they don't fuck it up entirely? Yeah, I mean, it's sad sometimes when I think about, like, how highly I regard the game. And when this show does something right, it feels like, oh, you did it. You did something right. And, like, I don't know. I just wish that this had the same creative confidence that the show, that the game had. Yeah, I think the only thing in this episode that I was like, what? Why? Why did you... Like, protagonist Kuhn got a new persona again, and I don't think they explained it again. Because I was like, oh, is he going to pull out the... He's not pulling out the original, and he's not pulling out the weird moon one. It's just some sexy lady one. And I was like, they don't, don't think they explained that happening. So I'm of two minds on this because it is important to the plot that he can have multiple personas. And it's it's a frustrating line to walk because now that they've brought it up, they kind of, particularly with the fusion of personas, brought it up in a very gamey way. And that doesn't necessarily always translate well to screen. So on the one hand, you could show him capturing every persona he uses, which is tedious. You could have him using the same persona the whole time, which is not particularly faithful to the game. Or you could do what this episode did, which is, you know, randomly kind of just bring skip up that. a new persona 
whenever they want, even though the attacks don't really matter anyway. I do think they should have just had him stick with one persona. Yeah, they should have really had him stick with Arsene the whole time. Right, and if they wanted to, if they wanted to have, like, a reveal that, whoa, you can, like, change personas, up like, every time he changes persona should have major plot relevance. Like, every time that he was able to get a new one, it was because they he was growing as a person or made a new connection with someone else. Like, it doesn't need to happen every episode. Like, in the game, you could change it out, like, every, like, five times during one battle. But they could have done it in a way that made every time he changed it a significant event. What they, I actually really liked how Yusuke used his in this episode from an adaptation perspective of he kind of established that he was going to attack, you know, his anger and emotion behind it. And then he just did that ice attack. And the only way that you saw that it was his persona is like he shouted the name of the persona and then there was a tiny cutaway to it. But it mostly just looked like Yusuke was summoning an ice block. Yeah. Which is, I think, fine because then you're essentially just saying that these kids have this magic and its source is the persona but like it is a little bit more removed from the pokemon approach yeah um and i don't know and i realize the irony of this because it is in fact a very pokemon like game but i don't think that that translates well to the kind of scenes they're trying to right i agree i think it was better to have like their personas like backing them yeah to give them the power to do these attacks because like yeah, you are just using them when you are playing as them in the game. So I don't really know why they needed to, I don't know, treat protagonist Kuhn exactly like how he was in the game. Like, they just needed to... All the other characters are so much more interesting. And yes, that's how it's supposed to be when you're playing a game. Because you're NPC protagonist Kuhn. But like, you're making a show. Make some... Like, they didn't choose. They didn't make a decision. The next episode is going to be one where it will be hard to have him be kind of like 2D cutout Coon. Like, it's set up for him to have an emotional stake in, and I'm really hoping they pull it off well. Well, I guess we're just going to have to wait and see. Yep. But they didn't have an end credits again, which made me happy, because end credits are terrifying. (laughs) It was like a good... It was a... I liked Yusuke's story, yeah. so I liked watching it rather than playing it. So I enjoyed it, and I, I think it was good. I think the animation wasn't so terrible this episode. So I'm like, okay, let, I hope it just gets better from here. Yeah, and uh, like I said earlier, I wish that we had a higher bar than just passable, mm-hmm. because the game certainly had that much higher bar. But as it stands, I think it's continuing to hit the bar of passable. I wonder if it's possible for a show where you already know what's going to happen. I wonder if it's possible for that to have a bar higher than passable. Because, like, you already know... You already know the plot points, so you can't be surprised by them. So there's no sense of like, whoa, I never saw that coming, which is where a lot of shows get a lot of oomph for me. And like the only ways that I could imagine like it really being something that's like amazing to watch is if it was gorgeous. So a couple of thoughts on that. First one, we have the advantage going forward of we're really going to have both perspectives where you don't really remember the major plot points, and I super do. Mm-hmm. So we'll be able to talk to both of those sides of it on the other hand 
I slightly disagree with you because I actually thought the moderate Ame fight was ad- adapted very well, mm-hmm. and I thought that that was actually good, not just passable. Okay, so yeah. you do think that the bar is higher already? Well, no, I just think that that one was well executed. Right, and I guess the point is still, is it worth watching if you've already played the game? No. That's kind of where I'm at. Is it ever really worth watching it? When it like a like a like a Steins Gate or a Clanad is different because like when you're playing those you choose which route and the game ends differently depending on which route you choose. Whereas the show picks a route, develops that story, and then presents it to you so it's its own thing. Because if you played it one way, you wouldn't have ever seen that. Whereas Persona, there's a limited number of alternate routes you could go down, like depending on like which character you have a better relationship with or which character's your girlfriend or like who which ones don't like you very much. Like there's a little bit of that and it's a lot of fun to play, but like I don't think the game could really have multiple endings. There is it's pretty standard in a persona game to have some bad endings that are essentially just not the true ending. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, it doesn't really branch other than the fact that you can choose to hang out with fewer people. It, it is always possible to be close with every character. Mm-hmm. And that's almost always the route they're going to portray in the show because being close with any given character gives you more story. Right. I guess my diff- the point that I'm bringing up, like, so Clanad, you haven't seen it, the the second... After story. After story. Don't worry, I'm not really spoiling anything. By the end of the first season, you have met all these characters, mostly women, who seem to be vaguely interested in some respect to the main character, Tomoya. In the show, they make it pretty clear that best girl is Nagisa, and after story is about their relationship. So that's, I guess, what the that's what the creators intended the true ending to be. However, you could play the game and pick one of the other girls to be your best girl character. Like, sure. You can play that whole game that way. Again, that's where you have the branching story because different routes are exclusive. Right. Persona doesn't have that. I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying other shows have the advantage of saying we are picking this route. Mm-hmm. So not everyone who's played the game is going to already know exactly every story beat that's going to happen. Sure. Because the routes are exclusive. But like, yeah, and in Steinsgate they went and they picked a route and now they picked the other route for the next game. Like, for the next show and the next game. Like... It's it's the fact that there are a multi, there are multi, like if they made a show about um, Detroit Become Human, you would most likely not get the same show as the game that you played. Reasonable because there's so many different routes that you could take that the chances of every choice you made being exactly what the show is going to portray is pretty unlikely. So which makes a show-watching experience really interesting because you see what the intent was, which I don't think you can get in a game like Persona turned into an anime. So that's why I'm wondering, so far it's not worth it to watch it if you've already played, but we'll see how I like it after not remembering literally most of the story beats for the rest of the game. Guess we'll have to see. Yep. All right. So next we're going to talk about, let's talk about some Soma. Okay. Let's talk about Soma. I am always happy to be wrong, 
Uh, they pulled out the big guns. We've got uh, we've got Soma Senior showing up. It's Saiba Senpai. Okay, so Soma was really fun. We had over the past couple episodes a fantastic battle. Yeah. Because now we have Soma Daddy and Grandpa Chan and all of our best friends all oh cooking boy. together on a train. And with all of their witty dialogue. Nope. nope. None of that. No dialogue this time. You're going to get yelled at if you talk to each other. Um, so it's fun because now we know what the next thing is going to be that um soma and co are going to be facing off against central under the rule of azami and uh, it's going to be a team shokugeki which we've never seen before and uh this is gonna be hard but yeah. they're, they're deciding to prep and they have a mock battle and grandpa sets the conditions that they can't talk to each other but they have to make this french ass dish that i don't know the name of but it has meat and potatoes in it was there something else in it i don't remember it's it seemed a little bit like a shepherd's pie yeah it's like a cheesy cheesy potatoey meat good goody thing yeah so oh and i think there's a love i think there's like a pastry in it or something like some sort of dough aspect but they're they're not cooking. They're not they're they are cooking. They're not talking to each other while they cook. And so one team is I don't know what the eyebrow teacher name is, but eyebrow teacher man. Uh, cabbage pink. Cabbage pink. Uh, yeah. So he is with um, he's with Megami and Aldini. And they are making stuff, and they seem to get along pretty well from the get go. And they figure out what he's doing and they read his read his mind and they make a beautiful dish and it's great and then Soma and his dad immediately start fighting with each other grandpa has to yell at them and then Soma and Erina are like what the hell is Saiba doing we don't know what he's doing it's what why is he cooking this this way and then Soma figures it out and starts making something with sardines and then Erina finally is like you know what? I'm going to throw another crazy flavor in there and I'm going to go. And she starts cooking what is supposed to normally be like ground beef. She makes like a steak instead. And then they make these two really interesting dishes. And then they try them. All their clothes explode. And then Grandpa says, I'm not going to to judge the food. You guys are. And they keep being like, no, you win. No, you win. No, you win. And Grandpa looks on proudly because they're learning. Such learning. Such learning. Even Erina was like, your dish is better than my dish, which I don't think we've ever heard her say ever. Yeah, certainly not without some heavy tsundere overtones. Yeah, so that's pretty amazing. Not to mention that she was willing to go a little bit more avant-garde for her recipe, mm-hmm. which is also apparently a first for her. Mm-hmm. It's very exciting. Everyone's so proud. And then they meet up with Azami and co, and all of that almost completely goes away. And then she stands up to him. She does. It's so exciting. This is a this was a big episode for her. It was a big episode. She did so good. And uh, now we're getting ready for the final showdown. Yeah, well, we don't actually know how soon the final showdown will be. 
because Rebun Island or whatever the location is mm-hmm. does sound like it's at the end of this whole tour. Yeah, I don't know what else they'll be doing. They're, they could end up having to do more one-off fights, mm-hmm. which could be okay, or they could just go straight to the final showdown. I think that they should strike some sort of balance. I feel like it's a little bit too soon to just jump straight into the final showdown, but I also don't want filler. Maybe there'll be more training. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe they'll train harder. Here's a prediction question. Do you think that everyone will make it to this final battle, or do you think anyone's going to be taken out of the equation in the time? I think all of the main characters are going to make it to the final battle. I don't see a world where it becomes like three against like ten. Um, I'm confused as to whether the adults are allowed to participate. I think as as alumni, they're allowed to. I'm also curious because Azami's like, it doesn't matter how many people we have, right? I'm like, is he going to try to like have like a gajillion people on his side and them only Kuga have four? Style? Yeah. It's entirely possible. I mean, at the very least, we know he's using the full Elite Ten. Not the full Elite Ten. Arena's not in it, and Hayama is no longer in it. True. At least eight of them. And I'm not sure if Rindo... He might sub in people. I'm not sure if Rindo is allowed. Why wouldn't she? Because she let Aldini and Megumi win and not expel them. I think she's going to be a boss fight. That's the hope, but I wonder if... Because he was like, you're not allowed to do this anymore. So she's like, oh man, but they made me say yum, which... I like her, and I don't know. I, I'm a little, I'm a little terrified for her fight. She makes me. Th- she reminds me of like a cat personality wise. Of she literally does get the fang, and she like, does. But just in terms of you know, she's very simple and pleasure seeking in certain things, but also completely inscrutable and prickly in others. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. And Aizan, uh, Aizan Senpai, the one who was like all with the money and the deals and stuff. Oh yeah, he is one track mind. Yeah. Crash, 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 crash. Oh my god. <laughs> He's a little focused. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to see everyone else's cooking styles. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was hoping slash assuming we would get more one-by-one introduction to the Elite Ten, because there's definitely a few of them that we really just don't know anything about yet. I think it's going to be interesting to see them all work together. I'm actually really curious about how it's going to work, because the Elite Ten faced off one-by-one, like, it's pretty unlikely that individually they can win. I wonder if because the focus is on it being teamwork, I wonder if that's going to give our heroes a little bit of a head start. It's definitely possible. And they're not going to, and the Elite Ten won't be able to work together as well. So I wonder if there's more equality there than we are giving them credit for. So what you're saying is they can win with the power of friendship. You're right. That does not sound like a shonen. No, shonen, power of friendship, what are you talking about? Oh no. But like, genuinely teamwork. Sure. As opposed to nakama. Yeah, that's fair. It's not the power of friendship, it's the power of teamwork, which I will argue... It's a little bit the power of friendship. I mean, but teamwork makes the dream work. Exactly. Uh, Alright, well I think we're just gonna have to wait and see what happens with our food buddies. All right. 
And lastly, we're going to talk about Steins Gate Zero. Speaking of wait and see. Ah! Uh, ah! Uh, we got a weird reintroduction to another timeline in this episode. Yeah! And I can't really decide how much of it would be therapeutic for Okabe and how much of it would be absolutely soul-destroying. To catch it up, the episode before this, they were having some sort of... They were having a party, I think. Yeah. And all of a sudden, all the time stopped, and Amadeus stopped working, and then the group of people came to, like, uh, kidnap the Kirisu lookalike girl. Kagari. Kagari. And then Mr. Brown came in and saved them. And Okabe is freaking out, as he should be. Uh, And then... They manage to survive that. Then he confronts Mr. Brown and asks him, after basically blackmailing him a little bit with his own daughter, uh, to help protect Kagari because he knows that he's a rounder, which is cool because he's figuring out like which timelines are still relevant. But we're in trouble and Amadeus still isn't working. And all of a sudden, he gets a call from Amadeus and Kreisu is screaming, help me, help me. And then he reading Steiners into a reality where Kreisu's alive and Mayuri is dead. Yeah, we get a real flashback, not even mental, just full-blown time travel flashback to essentially the latter half of season one, where he's just trapped again in the exact situation that caused his PTSD. Yeah, it's basically what would have basically what would have happened if any of the timelines that he failed to save her had manifested and been the reality. Right. And oh, we get to have some more like real Karisu and you can tell that he's happy about it, but he's also like devastated about Mayuri, like he can't function. And it's just it's really heartbreaking and awful. But, like, what I missed about Steinsgate and what we got a little bit of this is, like, how quick Kurisu is. Like, he tells her about all this stuff that's happening in his timeline. And she figures out that he's from another timeline before he even tells her. And she's, like, she's able to figure that out. And that's, like, amazing every time that it happens. And then she's trying to help him and then she sends him back. To his own timeline, but not before they get a kissu. True, and uh, I am very interested to see because I don't really know how they sent him back to his own timeline. They they tell you a little bit at the end, and maybe this is just that I need to rewatch the original series. But uh, they send a email to past Karisu, telling her not to go and confess to Okabe. And it doesn't appear to work. Did he not get sent back to his own timeline? We don't know. We just saw that cutaway with Karisu running to go up to his apartment. And then she receives a text saying, don't come in. And she does anyway. Oh. Which makes me wonder if their plan was not successful. So we don't know what timeline we're in anymore. Correct. Oh my god, Stein's Gate. Steins Gate, we don't know where we are. Yeah, but as it turns out, almost all of the problems in this show are caused by time travel, and using a time machine is inherently very risky in this universe. Yeah. Because also, every time you use a time machine, like, CERN figure, like, 
gets more like I feel like CERN gets another tracking device every time you use a time machine. Yeah. I I think this could go in a lot of different directions. Yeah, and I think we're just at a place where we are like in the middle of a cliffhanger right now, so I don't know how much we can actually talk about it. Other than this is the thing I wanted from Steins Gate. And then we're I'm really happy it. to have it again. And I'm happy to have Creasy back. Yeah. Because she's great. She's a great character to watch. She loses a lot by being stuck on a phone. Yeah. And I don't know what's going to happen for the rest of the season. Because I really think it could go either way, whether she ends up in the phone again or not. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure Amadeus will come back. The question is if... I think what would be really interesting is if we ended up somehow in a timeline where Carisu is alive and Amadeus exists. Yeah. But do you think she would have... I think she would have made Amadeus if she had lived long enough and not met Okabe. Right. Yeah. That's why I'm interested. Because she was in the middle of making it. Making predictions for this show is really hard because they pull crap that you don't expect. Did you expect for him all of a sudden to get a reading Steiner and get sent to an alternate timeline in, in World Line A? Like, no. you can't predict this, this shit. So, I don't know if there's any way we can make predictions now. Yeah. But he's fucked up from Mayuri not being around in this timeline. And um, we'll see where we go from here. Yeah. So um, I think that's all we can talk about. And that's going to do it for us. I think so. So thank you all for listening. And we will be back soon, very soon, because this episode's coming out a little bit later than we maybe thought. But that means you get us closer together, and it's very exciting. So you should like the show, subscribe to the show, you should share this show, tell all your friends, watch all the anime. Check out our other episode this week about the Caligula half-season review. Yeah. We have a lot of things to say. Yeah. Yeah. Whether you like or don't like Caligula, you will have feelings after listening to our episode. (laughs) Yes. Um... And you should also follow our parent network, The Nerds List, on Twitter and Facebook, and listen to some of their other shows. If you like games, you should listen to Games Nation. And if you like technology and engineering, uh, Jet Set Media has a channel on YouTube where you should watch his stuff. And thank you very much to Sean Peterson at SP Sounds on Twitter for making the intro and outro music for our show. And thank you very much for joining me on this episode, Ben. Not that you have much of a choice, because we live together, and yeah. I, <laughs> but we have fun. We do. And you should follow him on Twitter at OpenWorldIRL, and you should follow me at StuffUpTheGame. And I think that's going to do it for us. Have a good night, everybody. Oh, yeah, Samee.